0: Next on BYU Sports Nation, interpreting the BYU-Utah rivalry from a national standpoint. Is it really the biggest football game of 2017 for both teams?
1: Rivalry vet David Nixon weighs in, plus the latest on Eric Mika. He's moving up some NBA draft boards despite what one general manager says about him.
0: Don't forget the record-setting championship for BYU Athletics, Cosmo's Pro Day, and an elite signing by the Miami Dolphins. Let's go!
2: This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. You got to get your groove on before
0: you go get paid. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Friday, June 9th, Wherever and however right, you're dialed hey. in, it's great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who I am very confident can run the 40 yard dash in under six seconds. Jerem Jordan. Yeah,
1: I feel pretty good about that. Suit or no suit,
0: you think you can hang with Rich Eisen of the NFL Network? Rich Eisen, come on,
1: <laughs> Rich in Eisen. his
0: suit with his gold cleats the, on. Yeah, come on. Those <laughs> cleats are nice. Why are we talking about 40 yard dashes today, None. other than? The fact that I put that out there for the entire world to see again five one six unofficial. Won't worry about the official time uh, unofficial. But yesterday, BYU's mascot, the one and only Cosmo, at pro day of sorts, apparently ran an under five second forty yard dash.
1: Yeah. What 496. in the world?
0: Four nine six official.
1: Yeah, it was timed by Elijah Tuiaki and somebody else, and they had four nine six for Cosmo. So Cosmo. Faster than Spencer Linton. That's what we learned yesterday. Cosmo
0: faster than than a lot of
1: people. True. Cosmo's awesome. Yeah. Cosmo's one of the best mascots I've ever seen athletically. Like, I've never seen another mascot do what he does.
0: Was it wind-aided, though, with that huge noggin of his? Keep reaching. Keep (laughs) reaching.
1: (laughs) Was it running downhill? Think about about Cosmo running. Cosmo's got, uh, you know, kind of a larger head. He's a cougar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got a tail. Whipping around as he's running the 40. (laughs) 4.96. That's pretty good. Coopers
2: are supposed to be fast.
1: And he chose not to run on all fours, by the way. Just just with the two legs. Two legs. He chose that, yeah. I talked to him after. He said uh, he was hoping, he communicated to me, that he was hoping to run a little quicker, but he did mention, at least I was faster than Spencer.
0: Oh, good grief. Yeah. Yeah, well, lucky for him, he has the wind aided huge noggin that uh,
1: we don't know about the wind aided. That that's not that's oh, also I, unofficial. <laughs> if you're gonna, I'm calling that unofficial as well. Wait a minute.
0: Look at the size of that boy's head. Uh, ready for some One headlines? You ready for some headlines? Let's do it's
2: it. Your BYU Sports Nation headlines.
0: How about some people that are really good at the running? Day 2 results from the NCAA Track and Field Championship. Shea Collinsworth ran a 2-minute, 4-second, and 30-hundredths, 800 meters, advancing to Saturday's final. Not a surprise. Decathlete Jackson Walker finished 20th, and Christy Rush-Briggs came in 14th overall in the steeplechase. And that's not all. Jacob Heslington competing in the men's steeplechase final at 8.54 p.m. Eastern tonight. Clayton Young will Pretty race in the final. Specific of the men's 5,000 meter at 1025 Eastern. You can watch both events live on ESPN. Hey, they got to stay to a schedule. If
1: they don't start at those exact times, I'm going to be ticked in the middle of watching game four of the finals. The Miami Dolphins signed Mitch Matthews yesterday. Matthews joins the Dolphins after stints with the Vikings, Browns, and Chiefs in the past year. So good to see Mitch Matthews check off another team in the pursuit of all 32 NFL teams. The Elite Tour continues. He, the elite are coming. Maybe coming to a city near Houston. How about this though? He's in. Uh, he's in Miami. There could be worse places to
0: be during Absolutely. the summer. Absolutely. Huh? I hope he finds a spot. That'd be great. Eric Mika worked out with the San Antonio Spurs yesterday while he prepares for the NBA draft on June 22nd. You won't believe what one NBA general manager said about Eric Mika via Seth Davis. We'll get into the details of that a little bit later. Eye-opening for sure. Also, Jimmer Fredette worked out with the Denver Nuggets yesterday. He's done this before. That's not a huge yeah, Whit- surprise. his
1: wife Whitney's from Denver. He's in the area. They work him out almost every year, it feels like, which is, you know, the the local guy discount or whatever. Hopefully Jim Fredette's on a summer league team, and we can see if there's still a shot there. We'll see. I, I feel like that window's closed, but we'll see. Lots of individual baseball news, by the way. Jacob Brugman could be making his Major League debut tonight for the Oakland A's versus the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll see if the A's announce his official uh, move up to the club uh, sometime this afternoon or tonight. He hasn't played, but he's already the first in Major League Baseball history in something. That's our stat of the day.
2: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day.
1: Jacob Brugman is the first Jacob, J-A-Y-C-O-B, in MLB history. Oh. <laughs> there's never been a J-A-Y-C-O-B ever. You think about all the players that have ever played in Major League Baseball history, and there's never been a Jacob with a Y in there?
0: Congratulations to the Brugman parents.
1: Yeah, nicely done. That's, that's Yeah, that's you guys. You guys did that.
0: Nicely done. <laughs> also, uh, Jacob
1: Hanneman. We, we told you he moved up to AAA a couple games ago. Last night, he kept it going. Two for four, two stolen bases for the AAA Iowa Cubs. Also, Brennan Lund, two for five in single-A advance ball with the Inland Empire 66ers. A home run, uh, and the guy was on. So a two-RBI homer for Brennan Lund. Those guys are killing it,
0: man. The Batcat alums bringing it. They're killing it right now. Good for them. When I look at J-A-Y-C-O-B, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with my wife the other day about spelling my youngest son Jet's name. I, I just, like... Okay, let's spell it J-E-T-T. Well, it's
1: J-E-T-T-T-T-T-T. Well, right?
0: initially she's like, what if we did it J-H-E-T-T? And I was like, no. Why would we do that? Because you live in Utah. Exactly. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I do not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> He's the first J-H-E-T-T to do anything You're in the He's throwing like four T's. You're like, actually, there's four T's on that. <laughs> BYU won its fifth straight West Coast Conference Commissioner's Cup. Given to the best athletic program in league play annually, the Cougars set a new record for margin of victory.
1: I don't exactly understand how the points work, but I do know that winning championships is good, and when you get a trophy, that is good outside of Little League sports. So
0: that's pretty cool. Also, this happening right now. Team USA Volleyball just won the first set 25-22 against Italy in World League play and well-represented, Jerem.
1: The three Cougars started. Taylor Sander, Ben Patch, and Jake Langlois. That's pretty cool to see these guys uh, start for Team USA at the highest level of volleyball. World League, obviously the Olympics kind of the tournament, but World League every year is great, set two underway. I tweeted out a YouTube link earlier. Obviously, you can watch this show. We will update you throughout the program. Not only the Cougars uh, in the P.J. Tour, but USA Volleyball going on right now in France. So we got stuff going on at 10 a.m. Mountain Time across the
0: land. A jam-packed June continues across BYU Sports Nation. Words I thought would never be uttered during the doldrums about? of summer.
1: There's lots going on, baby. I love it. it I love fantastic. it. It is
0: fantastic. And we will keep it rolling. Rise and shout. Time for What's Trending brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Your next job is our priority. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU-Utah. The biggest game of the year? Listen, about two weeks ago, Jerem and I argued over a hypothetical guaranteed win for BYU football against either LSU or Utah, meaning you can pick one that you can guarantee as a win. We made very strong arguments for our opinions. Jerem went with Utah. I went with LSU. And my whole stance was, look, LSU is a national brand. Like It would do more for BYU if they could pull off an upset Like that, against that caliber of team with everybody watching. But there have been some things that have come out over the past few weeks, not from local writers, but specifically from a national guy. Bill Connolly, national college football writer for SB Nation, wrote articles about BYU and Utah as part of his annual college football previews. And he gave some nice props to the BYU-Utah game and why it's not just a big game for BYU, Jerem, but... He called it this, and I quote, speaking about Utah, the week two trip to BYU on September 9th is huge for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's the rivalry, but a loss could mean a 3-3 three and three or 2-4 and four start before a rugged home stretch for the Utes.
1: And the context of that is he called it the biggest 2017 game for Utah. Who that what Pac twelve? You know, they play USC, but they play Oregon, USC and Oregon.
0: How in the world is BYU the biggest game for Utah?
1: Yeah, Bill explained yesterday because the over under in Vegas is five and a half, his number is five point eight for win total. B- Utah needs to beat BYU, maybe to get into a bowl yeah, game.
0: And that's what he explained. For the Utes to so feel comfortable big, about getting to a bowl too. game. They probably yeah. need to beat BYU early in the season. Well, well, well. Well, Bill Connolly <laughs> had this to say about BYU's biggest game. I'll say Utah, not only because of the rivalry, but also because a win would ensure that at worst, BYU starts about 3-4. and four before the wins pile up late. Also, in parentheses, BYU's lost six in a row to the Utes. Time to boost morale there. Which brings us to our Twitter question.
1: Why do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The Utah game is the most important game of the year for BYU. Use the hashtag BYUSN.
0: Not what would get the most national respect or attention. What? What's just overall the biggest game of the year? Is it Utah? No, no, no.
1: The most important game of the year. Read it for what it is. Uh, at B Royal Blue Cook. Because it's the chip on our shoulder, the mountain we can't climb, the goal we can't seem to accomplish, it's our kryptonite. Use the hashtag BYUSN and WAN. I feel that the Utah game is given the six games in a row that BY's lost. I know that this game meant more in the past with the added context of conference play. That's certainly like you have to beat your rival to help yourself win a conference title, let alone bragging rights, and everything that goes into BYU-Utah. The six in a row, again, same idea as our LSU-Utah conversation. The six in a row makes it the most important game. Kalani Satake can't be fully successful as the BYU coach if he doesn't beat Utah on a regular basis, at least going five hundred. You can't go 0 for 2 and be like, everything's great. Well, guess what? When you don't beat Utah, everything's not great everything's great when you beat Utah plus you add on from there it's really important that BYU beats Utah it's the most important game of the
0: year to me so with that logic in place if BYU loses to Utah then what does that have on the season overall as an effect
1: it's hard to, like, when have, we, when have we had a season for BYU football where they lost to Utah, but we're like, that is one of the great years in BYU football history. It just doesn't happen because that's a big, that's a big indicator of success of the season. Obviously, number one is the overall win total. But if you don't beat Utah, it's, it's tainted. It's, that season is tainted.
0: 2008 comes to mind, right?
1: Yeah, BYU goes 10-3. and They get blown out by Utah. How do you feel about 08? Quest for perfection, crushed by TCU. There's a lot there. There's a lot there, right? (laughs) But but a big one is six turnovers against Utah getting blown out. It just feels bad. That was a 10-win season, but guess what? We don't think about that as a, a really, really good BYU football season, even though they won 10 games, because they got crushed by Utah. Beating Utah has a huge influence on how you feel about a season.
0: Now, this is interesting because this is the classic battle, at least in my specific case, of head versus heart. Okay, because both too. In my head, I can't get away from man BYU and LSU. How often does BYU have an opportunity every year now? Independence feels like play LSU. They've never played
1: LSU. No, no, no. An opportunity like that is what you said. It, no, it they don't have it every often. year. Yeah. How
0: often do you play a team like LSU? You go back to 2009, Oklahoma. Tell me the time before guess, that.
1: Guess what? Last year, BYU played a team that played in the playoff the year before. That's, that's, the, pretty that's good. the year
0: before, though. I'm uh, saying like a team right now that's going to be ranked super high at a neutral site to open the season.
1: That's that's a fun situation. Yeah, N- now that you've carved it down yes, to it's your It's unique. Argument. Yeah.
0: You go back to Oklahoma in 2009. Okay, I know BYU played at Notre Dame in 2012, but nobody knew that that Notre Dame team was going to be what they were, and then they got blown out by Alabama. Point is, it doesn't happen every year. BYU has never played LSU before. This is new territory for the Cougars, so my head is like, man, how do you you get a bigger situation than that, all things considered? But – now I'm questioning myself because my heart is coming into play after I've heard so
1: much. You're not human if you don't have a heart, by the
0: not way. Not just from BYU fans and Utah fans, but from guys like Bill Connolly and Stuart Mandel. And we launched like this. Yeah. We we pulled yeah. out the billows and stoked the rivalry fire yesterday for the national guys. Stuart Mandel called it one of the most underrated rivalries in the the entire country yesterday. Yeah, you're
1: not a robot, so call it for what it is. You have a heart that weighs into everything. So that the, weighs
0: into everything. The heart of it is, man, for BYU fans, and I, like, yes, I I would love for BYU That's to be we're asking the question, yeah. but for BYU fans with the misery that they have experienced is, they during do. the six-game losing streak then that takes on a whole new context, right? That absolutely plays into it as probably the heaviest factor in deciding what the biggest game of the year is for BYU.
1: One gajillion percent. Oh, my goodness. I'm it's, it's Utah. The most important game is Utah. I'm torn. What, so what do
0: you think? What's the most important I game? don't know. My, it's, it's my head, LSU, versus my heart, Utah.
1: Oh, man. Do I have to pick?
0: <laughs> I will at some point, but I really I don't know. I don't know right now. This is a great, that's why it's a great Twitter question. You make the argument. At B-Royal Blue Cook tweets in, uh, excuse me, at T-J-S-Shaw93 tweets in, disagree, LSU or Wisconsin would get BYU much bigger national attention. A win against either, both of those, is also a chance at being ranked. Now, the question is the most important, right? Start here, start close to you and go out.
1: Start. Start close and then go out. Who's your most important relative? Is it your step-aunt? Is it your third cousin? No, it's your spouse or your parents or your siblings. That is Utah. That is Utah in this
0: situation. LSU is your cool uncle. We're talking, it's, it's about Utah. more than just, you know, seizing the national moment right now. That's most all nice. Overall. If you can't be your rival, who cares? That's, that's great. But, Jerem, one game at a time, and it starts with. Countdown to the Vikings. 78.
1: 78 days, man. That's coming up quick.
0: Portland State, Woo! then LSU, then Utah. What's the biggest, most important game of the year? BYU the track biggest. and field dealing with their biggest meat of the year right now. Brenna Porter will join us after a heroic moment oh, in her man. performance. And David Nixon breaks down the BYU-Utah rivalry.
2: What's trending on BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Ahern Rental. Your next job is our priority. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on a
0: Friday on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Mark your calendars for two weeks from today. Dutch Franklin Planners, people. Media Day, BYU
1: Football Media Day. The first football media day in the country is Brigham Young Universities. It's coming up in two weeks from today. June 23rd. Check it out.
0: Our Twitter question today, why do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The Utah game for BYU is the most important game of the year. Jeremy and I just had this conversation during the break. Is it possible for a BYU team to lose to Utah and the fan base to feel good about the season? Is
1: that even possible? I wonder because I brought up the idea that can, you, can BYU lose to Utah and, and you think, oh, that was a really good season. If BYU lost to Utah, I,
0: I don't even know more, if that computes. I think it's possible now for a couple of reasons. One, in independence the game has generally happened very early in the season.
1: This is the last year of that, right? Well, the, Utah, is it Utah early next year again? But then it's in November.
0: Yeah, like it, it's that's coming it's up late like. season one year in the next. I think six or seven years. Point is, BYU is an independent, not playing for a conference championship. It's possible to lose to Utah early in the season and then go on a crazy run and have BYU fans still feel like it's been a good season because it's not lingering late in the season. And it's never happened. BYU playing
1: Utah and then BYU going at, it. This hasn't happened yet. We think that's how it'd play out.
0: Like when BYU was 6-2 and two in 2013 going to Wisconsin and Notre Dame, BYU fans felt good about the season, even though one of those two losses was to Utah.
1: I'm talking about after the season. Yeah. You didn't You didn't beat Wisconsin in Notre Dame.
0: Let's get David Nixon's opinions on all of this. He joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, former NFL linebacker and BYU linebacker standout. David, we'll start here. I mean, this is a juicy topic, and I want you to argue both sides. First, why is BYU-Utah the most important football game of the year for both schools in 2017? Well, you guys kind of just touched on it. I mean— Here's the thing. It's besides it being the obvious,
3: which is a huge emotional game. With it being so early in the season, this game really does set a tone for both teams. And so, from from my perspective, it is the most important game. I mean, if you look at the schedules, listen, Utah's got a tough schedule this year. You, you look at who they play and when they play. They've got to play at UW. They got to play at USC, and they've got Stanford, who's picked you know third in conference behind those two. And so, they they picked the short straw this year and, and who they've got to face in the Pac-12, and, and they don't have an easy schedule. So if I'm looking at them, I'm saying let's take, some, let's take some moral victories. So for us, you know, the, the big game this year for us has got to be BYU to beat them. Uh, and, then of course, BYU, you look at Utah, and, and yeah, you're on a losing streak right now, um, and, and you've got to pick one up. And you're right, BYU, you know, they, they, uh, they don't have a conference, and so these type of wins are, are crucial for them uh, because when you're building a program where you're trying to get national recognition, national relevance, You've got to win these games you've got to win them early. But I think the biggest thing is just momentum. Um is is catching that momentum early in the season. And then beyond that, I mean it's big for, for both schools because of recruiting. I mean, you look at up and down both teams' rosters. You've got a lot of local kids there. And and local kids pay attention to this game. I mean it's a huge game within the state. Um and, and for recruiting purposes, you've got to be able to tout that you beat the, the team up north and, and uh and vice versa. And so that's why I would argue for sure this is the most important game. I think you talk to the players, and I think they would say the same. I mean, even if you're Utah, yeah, we got the rest of the Pac-12, but believe me, all those kids up there want to be BYU, and I can guarantee all the BYU kids want to be Utah.
0: Now, there's the case of Jamal Williams, however, who said, eh, I don't really feel that way. He's not a guy that grew up in the state of Utah, and he was outspoken about not paying any more attention to the Utah-BYU rivalry than, say, any other team that BYU plays in Independence. How would you respond to something like that?
3: Well, I think he's an outlier. I'll, I'll say that I didn't grow up in the robbery either. I grew up in Texas, came up here. But I was quickly introduced to the robbery and, and realized that this isn't just another game. I, I don't – coaches can try to treat that way. I know Bronco would try to treat that way. Um, but it's not. It's not just another game. Uh, and and it's it's an emotional game because you do – you have buddies on the other side. I mean, there. I had lots of friends that were playing at the U uh, when, when we played them each year. And you want to beat them, just like you want to beat your older brother, you know, Uh or in this case, be your Utah younger brother. So, um, you know, it's a. Not recently. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun robbery. I mean, it, and, and I think anybody that tries to say it's not the most important game is just kidding themselves. I, I think uh, everyone knows that, that it is a huge game, and you've got to win this one, especially with where it's placed in the schedule for both teams at the beginning of the season, uh, so it can set the tone, and you can hopefully ride the momentum throughout the rest of the year.
1: The question today is not what's. A- What makes the national splash more? The question is, what's the most important game on the schedule? And I brought up this point, David, and and you're a good case study for this. Is it even possible to feel good about a season in which you lose to Utah? The 2008 team was a good team. There were NFL – a lot of NFL players on that team. That team won 10 games. Yet, that team lost to Utah, and it wasn't close. And the quest for perfection probably plays into that a little bit. The expectation was really high. How did you feel after that year about that season? Because it was a 10-win year, but there was a loss to Utah in there.
3: Yeah. No, I don't think you can, to be honest. I
0: don't, the bowl I don't game to Arizona didn't help either.
1: Yeah, and that, that's a whole other
3: story in and of itself. But I I think, uh, I think you have to be rival in order to, to call a successful season. That's, that's, that's as far as I look at it. I mean, I look back at my years. My sophomore year, we beat Utah. My junior year, we beat Utah. Senior year, we didn't. And the, the the feelings I have towards those seasons uh, all boils down to whether you beat your rival or not. And uh, and and so, you know, I have positive feelings about those sophomore or junior year. Granted, we did win the Madness Conference both of the years, so that helps too. Uh, but that senior year, you're right, we went 10-3, and three, and we won 10 games. Um, but and we were ranked in the top 10 in the country for the first six weeks. Uh, and so, you know, but in the, a but the year, you lose to your rival, and, and uh, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So... I, I'm, on this, I'm on the side of the fence where you have to beat your rival in, all, in order to call a successful year. E- even if you can go in and upset maybe a Wisconsin or LSU, it's still not the same. You've got to beat those guys uh, up north.
0: Wow. Even early in the season, let's just say for fun, hypothetically, just to see if you're even capable of arguing the other side, BYU goes 10-3 and this season, but one of those three losses – is against Utah. Let's say the Cougars do the improbable, and they beat Wisconsin. They bounce back the next week, and then they take care of either Boise State or Mississippi State. Two quality wins, win the rest of the games they're supposed to, finish 10-3, and three, but a loss to Utah. That
3: so a, lot, a loss to Utah and a loss to LSU, and you're saying it was somewhere else. And in Boise, there. State and, or and State. Either
0: Boise State or Mississippi Either
3: Boise State or Mississippi State. No, I don't. I mean, it's a 10-win season, which is a great season, but I still think fans and players still have a sour taste in their mouth. Look, the BYU players, I mean, there's some of these guys that haven't even, you know, they haven't beat Utah. And so there's, there's, a, there's a sour taste in their mouth. And they realize that got guys take care of business. And so, you know, I, while you look at the whole season as a whole and you're training the off season, you know, preparing for the first game, Portland State, and, and looking forward to LSU, there's no doubt these guys have that Utah game circle, especially this year with it being at home. I mean, this is a great opportunity. And, and, uh, and, and to be prepared for that game, and if you come up short, it's tough to rebound from it. I mean, you do, because fortunately for BYU, you still do play on ESPN. You still do play these powerhouses. You play in the SEC. You play really fun and, and, and exciting venues. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, that one will always sting. And so when you do look back on that season, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's a tough one. I, I, I think even if you knock off a, one of those big teams, um, but you can't knock off your rival, uh, that's, that's a tough one to call it a true successful season.
1: There's not a single player on the BOA team who's beaten Utah. Like, not, no one from 09 to now, right? There's no one from the 09 season left. I, I think of it on the reverse, too. I think if you have uh, a season where you were a little disappointed in the overall win total, but you beat Utah, that you would feel better about that year than you would normally because that win has special meaning. I think of it this way. Um, uh, a manufacturing uh, plant. They can produce an amazing product and amazing products. But if they have a roach infestation, it doesn't matter what's coming out of there. There's going to be major issues with that factory. And that roach right now infestation is a six-game losing streak to Utah. So let us we talked about if BYU loses the feeling. I don't like that feeling. In fact, we have felt that since '09. If, if BYU beats Utah, how will that weigh into the perceived success of the season? No matter how many wins BYU gets, David
3: that's a good question so yeah so if BYU beats Utah what is the win total what's the minimum win total BYU has to have in order to feel good about the season is it six is it seven you know and, and fans as long as you beat Utah do you feel good it's a great question I uh I think as long as you beat Utah and become a bowl eligible so say you went beat Utah and go six and six um I think fans while you all fans want more and expect more I think you can still rest easy night knowing that you beat your rival and that you can talk Smack. To now, your
0: wait a second. And and there's no way is going six. And if 6 If BYU goes seven and six because they played thirteen games, but they five. beat Utah. No, he said seven and six. I know eight five's the minimum. Have you and, seen the back half of that? Yes, thing? I have. So that would suggest that BYU <laughs> loses to like Hawaii and East Carolina.
3: Like, hey, I've already said before. I've come on the show before and said that East Carolina game. Don't sleep on that. After going to Mississippi State. You know, at the end of the brutal schedule, coming home and then going back East Coast again six days later, that's not a game to sleep on. I'm telling you, you know, there's there's no games you can sleep on, especially with this brutal schedule and, and especially with injuries, right? I mean, when you're playing LSU, when you're playing Wisconsin, you can't take any of these cupcakes for, for granted because injuries are going to happen, right? And we, we saw it last week with Jamal. Jamal went down and BYU struggled, you know, and uh, you, you have offensive linemen that went down in, in, in camp that uh, really, str- the offensive line struggled those first two games. So, it's, uh, you know, we look at those and it's like, oh, you have to for sure win. But you can have some of these teams that all of a sudden their quarterback develops and they go from being a, a cruddy team to a, a pretty elite team. And, I mean, look at, look at Wyoming, for example, last year. Who would have thought they'd, they'd be in the position they were and, and with the quarterback that they have. And So you, just, you, you never know. But I'm just saying if you beat your rival, it can make any loss feel better and it can make a, a, credit, a decent season be much better if you can at least have those bragging rights.
0: David Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation. David, this has been fascinating. you know, And I know that you played in the rivalry, and you certainly have a different perspective. And I am dealing with a, the classic scenario of head versus heart. And for all BYU fans' collective sanity, I want nothing more than for BYU to end the losing streak. But, man, it's, it's crazy that it has become, because of the six-game six losing streak, it feels like, Desperation factor. There's a burden on the program right now.
3: Yeah, listen, streaks are made to be broken. I mean, BYU dominated in the '70s, the '80s, early '90s. Um, you know, just swept swept the U, and then the U is you know since 2000, BYU's five and 11 against the U, and so there's no doubt this is an era where they've uh, they've had a strong presence and and they're they're playing well. So I mean, there there are streaks on both sides if you go back and look through the history of this whole rivalry. Um, but as I said, streaks are made to be broken and. And uh, this year is a great opportunity with with BYU, you know, warming up against Portland State, going to LSU, playing really tough competition that really gets them ready uh, for to come home and and play Utah. So, you know, it'll be it will be interesting. I, I think it's uh, shaping up to be quite an intriguing game, and and we'll be, you know both teams will be able to tell quite a bit more, probably more BYU because LSU, Utah faces North Dakota, um, which you know you don't really uh, use your entire package both on offense and defense, but. BYU will be able to tell really where they stand rolling a Utah game, and if and if they have a great shot, or if you know you should temper expectations a little bit. But um, that's what's that's what's fun about this whole rivalry. I mean, you have you have, have streaks. You have Utah that's won you know six years in a row. I mean, that's that's uh, that, that's the beauty of it. BYU goes, and hopefully with Kalani now, they get on a streak as well and win five, six in a row. That's 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 the fun of it, and I think that's why. Uh, college football is the ultimate best sport in all of sports because of, because of this, because of the emotion that goes into it uh, and, and how we can talk about this in June and we still have like three months until this thing even rolls around.
0: And we're <laughs> fired up. Hey, David, great stuff, man. We appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon.
3: Yeah, always a pleasure, guys.
0: David Nixon on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future.
1: Yo, you ain't going six and six. It's eight and five minimum.
0: I know they're not going six. Eight, 6
1: But you're saying that you can an eight, eight, and, can go five eight and five with, with a win over Utah would feel better than a nine and four season. What about with ten a and three to
0: Utah? What about ten and three with a loss to I, Utah?
1: I don't want to find out. <laughs> I don't want to find out what. An, I already know what that
0: feels like. A loss. Oh, stay with us. Brenda
2: Porter story up next. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by Takanos Brazilian Grill. Escape the ordinary. Welcome back, sports friends, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in
0: Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. Happy Friday to all. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. The emotions are high for this Friday show.
1: Yeah, We've had fun uh, talking about the most important game on the schedule. Uh, Discussed that in the opening segment. Just talked to David Nixon about it, a guy who's been on the highs of Beck to Harleen and, uh, you know, 2007 And 4th and 17. Yeah, 4th and eighteen, fourth and 18. And then uh, 2008, which was a blowout against you. So interesting perspective there. Download the podcast or uh, the free apps for BYU TV or BYU Radio to hear it.
0: We mentioned off the top of the show that one NBA general manager had some interesting things to say about Eric Mika, who recently declared for the NBA draft after his sophomore season with BYU basketball. Now, let's give you some background to this. Seth Davis, college basketball expert at Seth Davis Hoops, tweeted out the following in regard to Eric Mika. The entire basketball world is sleeping on Eric Mika, and I am the only one who knows it. So Seth Davis obviously likes Eric Mika (laughs) and thinks that he has a future career in the NBA. But then this comes out. Via Seth's Drafthouse.com, his site, brand new website this week, from an anonymous NBA scout who said the following about Eric Mika's NBA potential. And I quote, this is very important that you realize this is a quote from an anonymous NBA general manager I don't think Eric Mika's a pro. He's not good enough at any one thing. He's just okay. He's 23 years old, hard playing dude. He's a grinder. I like that about him. I didn't think he was great at the combine. He's a little undersized to be a five, but he doesn't shoot it past 15 feet. Interior defense is a bit of a question. Probably a bubble second rounder. End quote. So Seth Davis says, Yikes! everybody's sleeping on Eric Mika. I'm the only one who knows it. But then from his new website, he posts that from an NBA general manager.
1: Well, there's t- – yeah. he's Two looking ends at, of the spectrum. He's looking at, there's two sides to every story, right? And And most of the story right now is that Eric Mika is not going to be a draft pick. I think that Eric Mika will be in the pro league or the summer league and hopefully the D league and get a shot that way. I want Europe to be down the road. But an update on some of the uh draft board uh you know the the rankings for Mika, some projections, and then comment on that quote. Draft Express, number seventy-four, remember 60 picks. NBA draft.net, 82. That is up ten spots in that one, so that's good. Okay. But still not in. The top sixty doesn't mean you're being drafted either. Just that that's how many picks there are. 63, Chad Ford. Okay. ESPN. BYU, Hawaii, Mormon. CBS com 76. So that that quote is pretty brutal, and the more I think about it, the more I think, man, he just didn't want to be here because he is not projected to be drafted. He just wanted to leave and well, play.
0: It's it's interesting because that's one general manager, but we have seen anonymous quotes from who's, more than one general manager who's saying the opposite about Eric Mika, and that's the thing. No one has anybody gone on record, even with an anonymous GM from any NBA team, right. and said. He's going to be yeah. drafted in the second round. He's awesome.
1: We want, yeah. Listen, I still think Eric Mika can play in the NBA at some point. Absolutely, he can. Just he's not going to be drafted, and and to be to leave school and to not be drafted, leave early. It just feels odd, right? Well, I that
0: think feels weird. I would love for Eric to shock the world and be drafted. I don't even think if it's the last pick taken in the league.
1: It's really not going to matter whether he's drafted or not. He's still going to have to make it. Does that make sense? So the draft pick thing doesn't really matter because he's going to have to make a team anyway. If I had a guess. As a non-first rounder.
0: Eric Mika will have a great opportunity with a team that really wants him, even if they don't draft him. He'll have some good run in the NBA Summer League, and he'll be playing in the NBA D-League this season.
1: a hope of getting up. Like yes. Kyle Collinsworth played the whole year, never got the call-up to play with the Mavs, but he's in the D-League hoping to get that call-up. I think that's a reasonable hope. For Eric Mika in the upcoming year
0: told you this was a loaded Friday show we've discussed on, BYU man. Utah logic in the head versus feelings of the heart what's the most important game on the schedule for BYU is it the Utah game a lot of people think that it is if you
1: don't think it's the Utah game tweet in and explain why I'd love to hear I'm not you know eh, there's no I'd love to hear why.
0: At True Brew Coog tweets in, disagree. As a fan, I want that win more than any, but a win over LSU or Wisconsin would be bigger on a national picture.
1: Undoubtedly, it would be a bigger win on the national picture. So that's not, But it doesn't that's make not... it the most important one to me. So yeah. I, I see that logic,
0: absolutely. And that's where I struggle back and forth. It's like, ah, what does the most for the program?
1: There's a clear people.
0: Up next, <laughs> Brenna Porter and her amazing story of heroism on the track surface. <laughs>
2: <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
0: Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B's Surface with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Correct. Watch our daily rebroadcast week. That's on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern.
1: Tracks unique where the surface is the name of the sport. You don't say, yeah, I'm playing basketball court. It's it's different. (laughs) I'm playing soccer pitch field depending on where you're from. No, that's hey. No, that's a tough place to be. Woo! Hey, uh, BYU football media day is coming up in two weeks from today. I can't believe it that we are two weeks away from BYU football media day. We will have a two-hour special. From 12 to 2 Eastern Time on June 23rd. Check it out. Cannot wait for that.
0: Why do you agree or disagree with the following statement? The Utah game is the most important game of the year for BYU, at Tate C. Austin tweets. And because it has been six years since BYU beat them. And it's Utah. They should be our biggest game every year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What is big? What is important? What is what? Yeah. This. It's very arbitrary, it's very opinionated. A lot of gray area Man, in it would be great for a talk show. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> Download the podcast if you missed any of that, uh, including what one general manager said about Eric Mika and his chances to be drafted. You don't want to miss any of that. Joining us now, somebody that we are really excited to talk to, track and field star for BYU, Brenna Porter. She is quite the hurdler and went through – an incredible experience recently Uh, to get you caught up to date. Brenna hit a hurdle, gassed her leg pretty well and uh, started hemorrhaging, but felt like you needed to finish the race. So Brenna, I want to start the conversation there. You, You get hurt, walk us through what happened and then why you felt like you had to finish the race.
4: Okay. So I mean I was running and got out of the blocks pretty good. I felt pretty good, but I hit the hurdle with my non-preferred leg. So it kind of threw me off balance and I flew and I whacked my leg on the hurdle next to me and that gashed it. But I got some road rash and I hit my head pretty hard, but um I felt like I was fine. I um I knew that I was like bleeding a little bit, but you know, my coach uh, we did some drills where we would like keep whacking our, our legs, and I like to like ride horses. So my coach would always be like, "You know, what do you do when you fall off the horse? He's like, you get back up. And so I just think that we practiced. It's just a, It was a reaction to repetition, you know, that when you fall, you get back up and you finish what you started.
1: So when did you realize, oh, I'm hurt pretty good? And, and, and before you get to that, what, what exactly happened to your leg? You said, it was gash. Like, what happened?
4: Yeah, so I think the hurdle in the outside lane gashed it on the the bottom of the hurdle, and it was like a eight centimeter laceration. It was Whoa. pretty deep, Whoa. but <laughs> but yeah. So what was the second question? Sorry. Uh,
1: and and then when when did you realize? Oh, I'm I'm hurt uh, pretty bad.
4: I'm... Um, yeah, so it was like when I was coming around like the third and fourth turns, I could feel that my legs are really wet. And so I could tell that something was bleeding and it felt kinda of weird, but um I didn't look at it until after the race, so I didn't know to what extent it was cut.
1: And and when you looked at it, what what was what was that like?
4: Um yeah, so I was talking to my mom and sister, and then when I looked at it, I was just kinda of like, whoa! <laughs> Like, they told me I was kind of, like, in shock because I was just being kind of, like, giddy and weird. <laughs> and so I was—I didn't expect that because you don't expect that to happen when you hit the ground. I thought it was just road rash. So, yeah, I was kind of a shock. Well, I
0: know that BYU Sports Nation collectively views what you pulled off and what you did as, like, this crazy heroic moment. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many people would get up and feel like I've got to finish this race and – you know, the emotions that go with that, but what has the reaction from teammates and fans and those around you in the sport been like since you finished this race?
4: Um, I mean, people have been so kind. All my friends have been texting me, asking how I'm doing, and um, people have posted things on Facebook saying it's, like, inspirational. I really have just been thinking about it. I really don't feel like it's that inspirational. I feel like when I'm looking in the library, people studying all day or, you know, watching those... Distance boys do their workouts. I'm like, that's inspirational to me. But it's, it's been really awesome to see how kind people have been, how they've reached out.
1: Did you it, afterwards? Did you think, hey, maybe maybe I shouldn't have finished the race? Was there any thought <laughs> where I was hurt pretty pretty bad? Maybe I shouldn't have. But or was it like, you know, it was it was good that I finished this race because you need to finish what you start.
4: Yeah, I mean, I love running. That's what it's all about. I think it's more about the struggle. That's what means the most to me. So I'm glad I finished, and it was the last race of the year for me. So why not leave it all on the track?
1: And how's your leg now?
4: It's doing good. Yeah. So I got half of the stitches out last week, and then my dad's gonna take the rest of them out today, and I'm walking, and yeah, it's doing really good. Wait, your
0: dad is, is going to remove the stitches. Dad, a doc?
4: Oh yeah, he's an ER doc. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa!
0: Let's just take them out. Dad, can
4: you do- sure. Yeah, why Whoa. not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> How many stitches did you have?
4: Um, so there were only thirteen. They were just spaced out pretty far.
0: Just thirteen people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm looking at a cut on my thumb when I had like three stitches, and I was like, "Oh man, I that was crazy."
1: Uh, I've never. i I've never even had stitches. So, which, so I'm like
4: thirteen. One is. Yeah, tough. this was a first. <laughs> yeah.
1: How did you battle the emotion of uh, hitting the hurdle? Because I know you wanted to make it to nationals. So once yeah. you hit that hurdle and go down, all of a sudden your chances of making it in that dramatically or dramatically affected, yet you're injured. So how did you battle the I'm hurt slash I want to make it to nationals still?
4: Yeah, so that was definitely the first thought I had when I fell. I think that's probably why I wasn't thinking about my leg. I was just like, oh, I'm not going to make it to nationals. Dang it. And I think afterwards, like, that was the main thing. Like, when we were in the trainer's tent and stuff, like, they were being so awesome and so nice, and I knew that they would fix it up. I wasn't really worried about my leg, but I did get kind of sad because I knew I wouldn't be able to make it to nationals. So, But I think it's good motivation for next year, you know? I'm only a sophomore, so we'll go get it next year. I'm
0: gathering that you're an optimist, Brenna. Is, is that the okay? Smi- the I mean, smile yeah. on your this face. The smile on your
1: joined us uh, Wednesday from Eugene and said, mark it down. Brenna Porter is going to be in Eugene next year. Oh. (laughs) What does that feel like to have that confidence from your head coach?
4: I mean, that means a lot coming from him. He's amazing. He is an inspiration. So, I mean, I think that gives him motivation to work hard for it. And it'll be good going into training next year, having that, the end in mind, that that's the goal.
0: Now, to put this in context, you were ranked in a position that would suggest you would have made it to Nationals this year. So, how much do you pay attention to those rankings, and, and what are your... I guess, goals in that regard going into next season?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I did pay attention. I watched it on Tfers where it was ranked and I was excited going into regionals knowing that I had a good shot to qualify. Um, but yeah, I think every year is different and you just have to come to it with a new mindset every year that you're going to give it everything you got. Cause you never know what's going to happen.
1: You, you may stumble over a hurdle, but exactly. then you got to finish that race. Like that, that was a tremendous story and it's, It's cool um, to hear about what you did, especially kind of at the end of the season for all the sports. I think it's just a cool story to kind of end the sports season. So thank you Uh, for finishing that race (laughs) and showing all of us, hey,
0: finish what you started. We appreciate it.
4: Oh, thank you.
0: Brenna, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for – The unstitching. (laughs) Yes, for one, the unstitching by dad.
1: Yay.
4: uh,
0: (laughs) And for uh, everything you have moving forward in track and field. We're looking forward to uh, you know, your next race.
4: Oh, thank you so much.
0: We would also like you to sign our stretch wide flag behind us. <gasps> we have a tradition of all of our in-studio guests doing that, so if you wouldn't mind us wow. mind giving us your autograph, that'd be great. Okay, thank you.
1: She's all wrapped up on her leg. Um, I mean, if you if you didn't see that story from BYUcougars.com.
0: You should go watch it right now. There's a
1: disclaimer at the beginning of it because you see her leg. And I can't believe you're like, Standing in here talking to us. That's here. crazy. It's pretty Smile on
0: your face. Yeah. Wow. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, if you miss anything, we will update you in the Cougar Whip Round, including Brenna's teammates, Track and
2: Field, and Eugene. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most.
0: Thanks to today's guests, David Nixon and Brenna Porter of BYU track and field. If you missed what she pulled off, download the podcast. Talk about the will to finish a race. Goodness.
1: Seriously, very inspiring. Coming up next week, Mike Littlewood, the baseball coach. Also, Phil Steele of Phil Steele's College Football Magazine. And if you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Track and Field. Lots to get to here. Shea Collinsworth ran a two hundred four thirty in the eight hundred, advancing to Saturday's final. Kathleen Jackson Walker finished in twentieth place. Christy Rush Briggs came in fourteenth
0: overall in the steeplechase. Tonight, Jacob Heslington competes in the men's steeplechase final at eight fifty four p.m. Eastern. Clayton Young will race in the final of the men's five thousand meter at ten twenty five Eastern. Watch both events on ESPN. Cougars in the
1: NFL. Miami Dolphins have signed Mitch Matthews. Matthews joins the Dolphins after stints with the Vikings, Chiefs,
0: and Browns. Cougars in the draft. Eric Mika worked out with the San Antonio Spurs earlier this week as he fights to get drafted later this month in the NBA. Jimmer. Jimmer worked out for the Denver Nuggets yesterday. Athletics News. BYU won its fifth straight West Coast Conference Commissioner's Cup given annually to the best athletic program in league play. The Cougars, by the way, set a new record for margin of victory in that contest.
2: Cougars in the major leagues. Center fielder
1: Jacob Brugman is heading to the majors. Tonight could be his major league debut for the Oakland Athletics, 7-10 Eastern in Tampa Bay. the first ever J-A-Y-C-O-B, Jacob, in the majors.
0: Doesn't that sound good? Cougars in the minors. Jacob Hanneman went two for four with a couple of stolen bases in an Iowa Cubs loss to the Oklahoma City Dodgers. He's 8-for-16 since getting the call-up to AAA in four games with those Iowa Cubs. And Brendan Lund,
1: 2-for-5 with a home run, two RBIs for the single-A advanced Inland Empire 66ers in seven games, the next level, batting 321. Cougars overseas.
0: Ashley Hatch and the USA Under-23 national soccer team play today against England in the Four Nations Nordic tournament in Sviden.
2: Cougars in the PGA.
1: Summer Hayes and Zach Blair begin round two of the
0: St. Jude
2: Classic on the P.J.
1: Tour today in Memphis, Tennessee. Summer Hayes is three over and Blair's four over after day one. We'll get you off later
0: today in round two. Spencer. Volleyball. Taylor Sander, Jake Langlois, and Ben Patch all playing for Team USA in World League competition currently against Italy in France. As we speak, the U.S. has taken the first two sets. That's right, baby. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Health. you need the most, DexterLaw.com. I'm thinking that we should probably go with Brenna Porter, right?
1: Yeah, Brenna Porter. What a, what a story. Incredible story. Fun to have her in studio. Best of luck to her. I hope she makes nationals next year. That'd be kind of the redemptive
0: end of that. Her because
1: optimism. she hits the hurdle. Not only does she hurt, she doesn't make nationals.
0: Her optimism is super contagious. art. Twitter question today. Would you agree that the Utah game is the most important game of the year for BYU or disagree? At SSFX, guy says Utah is the most important. Johnny Linehan will get redemption and convert on 4th and 19. No. I'm serious. 4th and 19. 4th and, and no more. 4th and no we more. We cannot go a show. The conversation continues 24-7 without Johnny Linehan on Twitter using the
1: hashtag BYU.
0: <laughs> At Educator Jones says, being ranked as fleeting, beating Utah is forever. That's our elite tweet of the day.
1: There you go. I love Johnny. Just go for Johnny, 4th uh, and nineteen.
0: <laughs> Have a great weekend, everyone.